when Amy, Casey, Tommy, and I dreamed up the Via Caris years ago, uh, we did not do so out of thin air, but out of a long tradition of the church writing documents for itself to help us have something to hold on to in all of the, uh, the great size of our tradition that can be overwhelming and disorienting. Where do you begin as a Christian? One of our concerns was uh, that this might be received as a kind of list of New Year's resolutions, things we have to do. And we certainly wanted to craft it in a way that it would be open, uh, open-ended, that each practice is something that we could do together, but also practice you could make your own, and build into the rhythm of your life and the way that you see fit. But most importantly, to see these practices not as things we have to do, not as drains, uh, but as energizing practices, life-giving practices. Um, and so I hope that by now, through our engagement with Via Caris, if you've been part of this since the beginning or come into it with enough time to be familiar with uh, this catechism and rule of life, catechism means teaching, uh, with aid from this Epiphany worship series, I hope that we're able to see with more clarity what's really going on. And that is that to be a member of First Baptist Church of Asheville or to be part of our life together is to be part of an intentional community. To be part of our life together is to be part of a congregation guided by spiritual practices, inspired by a particular way of life, a distinct way of living in the world. To be part of First Baptist Church of Asheville is to be part of an intentional community. We are a baptized people, a church sustained by remembrance, the remembering practice of baptism with intention. We practice remembering that we belong to God and that all people are beloved children of God. We are a spoken congregation a church fashioned and nurtured by the word prayed, sung, preached with intention. We practice praying the Psalms daily in order that our lives may be word-shaped by the prayers of Israel and the church. We are a communion broken and poured out, a church nourished by the body broken and shed blood of Christ. With intention, we break bread weekly with others with the expectation that Christ may show up and reveal himself through neighbors, strangers, and enemies at any time. Today, we call attention to the fourth element in practice of Via Caris, body, which is to say the body of Christ. We are a gathered body, a church composed by and through the Holy Spirit. With intention, we worship weekly with the body of Christ so that the world may know through our common witness that God is suffering love. Water, word, table, body. You are the body of Christ and individually members of it, Paul tells the Corinthians. But how do we care for the communal body of God has given us? Uh, the given text today that Emily read can sound really arcane 
completely removed from our experience. I will have to say, in so many years here, I haven't heard any rumbling in our church about eating food sacrificed to idols. Did you hear about Jimmy? Yeah. Uh, been eating that food sacrificed to idols again. Oh, Lord, help him. Does his mama know? The church Paul addresses today was in the cosmopolitan city of Corinth. Many members of this Corinthian church would have been former pagans. These members were likely very sensitive about the moral integrity of their conversion to Christianity. Paul is concerned to preserve the fragility of their faith. In his letter, he counsels other church members about eating meat that had been ritually slaughtered to pagan idols. So there would be temples, altars, they would sacrifice the animals, prepare the animals, uh, eat the meat from the animals. That was part of worshiping the idols. Uh, so technically, Paul says, it's not a sin to eat this meat, um, but you shouldn't let your freedom to eat it become a stumbling block to those whose faith is still in its infancy. They remain in recovery from their devotion to these gods. It would have been difficult for these new converts to really to distinguish other Christians' eating habits from pagan rituals they'd recently given up. A new convert might see a member of their church eating the very food that they had given up in order to become Christian. So Paul tells these more experienced Christians, don't abuse your freedom and damage the consciences of these new members. Uh, admittedly, I generally skim this chapter of 1 Corinthians. Uh, full disclosure, it just sounds so irrelevant in many ways. But there is a profound inner logic relevant to the question, what does the conscientious care of the body of Christ look like? We can have knowledge, but that can puff us up. What's more, part of the ground of our communion is our love for one another. Uh, I have yet for anyone to say not only they have a problem with food sacrificed to idols here, I've yet also to hear anyone come to me and say, boy, I read your dissertation, Mac, and I'd love to join this church. <laughs> it's about love. Uh, compassion, communal care, relationship, friendship. It's important what we, that we understand what it means to say, I'm a member of the church. To be a member of the church means we have not joined a club. It means we become members of Christ's body. I know it's a metaphor, but it's also more than a metaphor. We have joined Christ's body, breath to breath, skin to skin, blood to blood. Baptism joins us to Christ's death and raises us to walk with Him in newness of life. Communion invites us to eat His flesh and drink His blood. Sounds strange, but by sharing this meal, we're grafted into Him as a branch is grafted into a vine. To be a member of the church is to share the same circulatory system as God in Christ. Through baptism and communion, Jesus becomes the animating force of our existence. 
To say we're members of the church also means we're members of one another. Later in Paul's life, uh, his, the last letter we have from him to the Romans, he writes, So we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. Later in 1 Corinthians, our text for today, Paul writes, If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. You get a sense of the power of this metaphor if you ever stub your toe in the middle of the night in the dark and for the next few days, you know that even that pinky toe is very dear to you. You may also confess some things in the dark that you would be happy for your Bible study group not to have heard. Uh, church members have compassion for one another. We recognize in each, in, uh, in each member a soul for whom Christ died. The person sitting beside us here today is a person for whom Christ died. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, yes. But this also means for God so loved the person sitting beside us right now that He gave His only Son. For love to mean anything, it's got to be specific. The conscientious care of Christ's body means paying attention to our fellow church members when they're suffering. The French philosopher Simone Weil wrote, The love of our neighbor in all its fullness simply means being able to say, what are you going through? In her original language, the word is torment, or more literally, what is your torment? And then they says, real love consists in giving our full attention to our neighbor's reply. This is what the conscientious care of Christ's body consists of. What are you going through? and then listening, and attending. Such care comes to full expression in the church member who, having suffered either acutely or for a long time, is made able to say, I don't know what I would have done without my church. Through the trials of life, through the insecurity of moving to a new community, through the disorienting loneliness of longing for friendship, Elizabeth says, I don't know what I would have done without my church. Through the challenges of making his way through the world, of surviving the grind of drawbacks and deadlines, of finding meaning in his struggle, Michael says, I don't know what I would have done without my church. Through the separation through the divorce, through the total disruption of life to her children's lives, Jane says, I don't know what I would have done without my church. Through the death of someone so precious, he couldn't imagine life without them, John says, I don't know what I would have done without my church. How many times have I heard People here say, I don't know what I would have done without my church. That's church. That's the fruit of the conscientious care of Christ's body. 
In these recent years, we've been hard-pressed on every side, as have most churches. But we are not crushed. We have been perplexed, but we are not in despair. We have been widowed, but we have not been cut down. We have been challenged, but we have been changed from faith to faith, into faith, out of faith. We have carried around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. So to the unique expression of Christ's earthly historical body in the world that is First Baptist Church of Asheville, I say God's desire for our body is healing God's call to our body is to minister one to another. God's dream for our body is growing and thriving. Now our future rests on conscientious care, the care we give one another. So I conclude with three focal images. The first focal image of the conscientious care of Christ's body is of a deacon visiting a homebound member. The deacon has brought with them a loaf of bread and presumably Welch's grape juice. (laughs) May depend on the deacon or the recipient. They talk together about life and church And somewhere the question is posed, what are you going through? They break the bread. They pour the cup. They pray together. Maybe they even sing. The second focal image of the conscientious care of Christ's body is of a person singing a hymn that they've loved since childhood. Blessed be the tie that binds all things bright and beautiful. What's your hymn? Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. And their voice cracks. And up through the crack wells the deep memories of love and care they've received throughout the years of being part of Christ's body. They may remember the women who changed their diapers in the nursery. They remember the person who came alongside them in a time of trouble and said, I'm with you. I can't imagine it all, but I'm with you. They remember the people who lifted up the coffin and accompanied their loved one with singing all the way to the grave. The third focal image is of a Sunday morning. The longtime member sees a person they have not seen before. Luckily, there's a name tag. Before our worship or after, they move to greet the person they don't know and that Scares them a little bit. Welcome to our church. Where are you from? I'd like to invite you to visit our Bible study. 
Or perhaps I'd like to invite you to help us on Thursdays. Or perhaps I'd like to invite you to Friday night. We're getting together. Nothing formal. The new member with excitement and trepidation says, thanks for the invitation. I'll see you then.